Come on. Hand over the bear. No. We won't do that. Mrs. Brown? He's family. Family? You're not even the same species. It's true. It is true. And when I first met Paddington, I wanted nothing to do with him. But my wonderful wife, she opened her heart to him. And so did my incredible children. And now I have two. It doesn't matter that he comes from the other side of the world, or that he's a different species, or that he has a worrying marmalade habit. We love Paddington, and that makes him family. That was Mr. Brown, Hugh Bonneville, taking a stand for talking Peruvian bear Paddington as part of their adopted family in 2014's Paddington, a family film all about the rich diversity that make up these British Isles. As much as I would like every exploration of family and identity solved with Paddington Bear and Co, and I would, those films are brilliant, two very different takes on these subjects are what I'm chatting about this week. In the first of my dispatches from last week's BFI London Film Festival, I'm talking about quirky and unusual comedy Cajillionaire, starring Evan Rachel Wood, and surreal and lyrical hip-hop saga Mogul Mowgli, written by and starring Riz Ahmed. We, or... um, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm just talking about movies. You're listening to Cellcast, and I'm Lawrence. It's my old duffel coat. Actually, it was mine first. Well, long before that, it was mine. Oh, was it, Mr Brown? Really? He wore it on his first day at school. It's lovely. Wooden buttons for ease of pull. And these two sandwich compartments are an excellent idea. I must say, it suits you very well. I never thought I'd like a human coat, but... You look like one of the family. Oh. So, I saw a few films solo at the BFI last week, so I'm also talking about them solo, which is a bit different from our usual podcast. Uh, These are going out a bit later than planned, but with some of these films dropping on VOD and and appearing in what cinemas are still open, I hope you'll you'll find me talking about them more relevant than ever. I'd like to quickly plug uh, BFI, the British Film Institute, and the London Film Festival that they put on every year, who have worked really, really hard to still put it on this year against all the odds. And I haven't been to as many of these as I sometimes feel that I should have done. But especially this year, I really, really learned why these film festivals are so important and so worthwhile. And I really encourage everyone to keep an eye out for them. With the future of cinema, uh, just like with anything thrown into question, with COVID-19, being able to see a lot of really great, really new, really fresh films is a brilliant experience, and it's looking like more and more you're going to be able to view these things remotely, so you may not even need to be in London to view the London Film Festival in the future. You might be able to see a lot of it through their BFI player, and there are going to be other film festivals that take this path as well. I've realised more and more over the years how enriching it is to see something brand new, something fresh. Going and seeing it is like jumping into uh, freshly fallen snow, almost. Going to a film festival like the LFF, um, these are all curated, so you know that whatever your reaction coming out of them, it will always be a worthwhile experience. So I'd encourage everyone to keep an eye out for film festivals that they can attend, both conveniently and safely, of course. But I'd also really encourage everyone to keep an eye out for the London Film Festival next year as well, if they haven't seen anything this year. 
A quick note as well about these reviews, I've decided not to include an if you like this and if you didn't at the end of them, uh, because it is just going to be my voice on these reviews, so there's less of the back and forth dynamic, and so I think it's best to keep these reviews as, as succinct as possible. So, the first film that I want to talk about is Mogul Mowgli. It's directed by Bassam Tarek and written by Tarek and Riz Ahmed. It's the story of Zed, played by Riz Ahmed, uh, London-born from a Pakistani background, but on his way up as a rapper in the USA. On the verge of his next big thing, he's struck with a debilitating illness when visiting his parents and family back in London. As he struggles to get through this, he has to face who he is and where he comes from. Or, as a haiku, This rapper is sick! No, really sick. Life crisis. Where are you really from? And here's a clip. Britons are on board, had another cup of tea in that. But where my jeans are from, people don't really MC in that. Now everybody, everywhere, want their country back. If you want me back to where I'm from, the I need a mat. Going home and rediscovering your roots and realising that you're really just a kid from the old neighbourhood at heart is a tale as old as time, but I don't think Mogul Mowgli is about that, or at least it doesn't follow the traditional pattern. And nor should it, because it's an examination of a Brit. We're a nation of people who will never be just one thing. Zed isn't just British and not just Asian, he's also a rapper, something that doesn't come from either of these cultures. He's in a relationship with an American, a place he calls home, It's this sense of being pulled between things that Mogul Mowgli wants to communicate, and that these things don't have a simple arc. A lot of things it just seeks to express. And express is the name of the game. The film flows between different levels of reality. Sometimes it's linear reality, sometimes memories, sometimes visions, and sometimes things in between. There's a particular spirit which keeps following Zed, Tubatek Singh, a possibly supernatural presence that represents the culture he will always be tied to, and at the same time represents that he is a man in between so many cultures. The film takes place in a lot of confined spaces, even when Zed is performing, it feels like he's trapped in a sea of people that don't fit into the venues. He's in cluttered bedrooms, imprisoned in an uncomfortable hospital, or frequently, toilets. It shows a skill of not using very much, but also goes to show the feeling Zed has of being overwhelmed pulled in lots of directions by all the people in his world and all his different parts of himself. Identity crises can be a claustrophobic experience. Zed's father is perhaps the most important presence of his mixed-up world. He doesn't have the kind of strained relationship with him that usually populate a lot of dramas about your roots. From the off, it's clear that father and son love and respect each other deeply, but they're just very different. Zed's memories and their understanding of each other forms the backbone of the journey Zed goes on. Rather than going for some big cheesy resolution between the two, they find an original and understated way of giving them an ending that matches the film's vibe and sense of humour. That sense of humour was perhaps the most surprising part of watching Mogul Mowgli. It's not always funny, but when it is, it's really funny. There's some great sequences, of course, with that juxtaposition of the modern and the traditional, but it doesn't always come from the elders. Sometimes from the young, just trying to honour their traditional culture without understanding the consequences or hypocrisy of what they're doing. Laughs for me also came from Naban Rizwan, who plays RPG, another rapper that admires Zed while doing nothing but irritate him with his hilarious, vacuous rap style and obnoxious ways. Rap is a thread that's running throughout the film. It's Zed's choice of expression. 
Although I'd of course argue that rap is a medium for anyone that feels drawn to it, no matter their background, there's no doubting that its origins lie in cultures that aren't connected with any of Zed's mixed-up DNA, which makes it an even more powerful part. It's an important part of Zed's existence, and yet it's not part of any of the cultures he's pulled between. It's something new, which at some point is therapeutic for Zed, but also sometimes something that leaves Zed once again in a cultural no-man's land. There are things Zed learns, but also a lot of it is just about him confronting parts of himself and his background. Sometimes there are resolutions, but more often there's just an acceptance. It's more about the contradictions of identity, but that doesn't make it any less satisfying to watch. Every introspection is fascinating. Each part of who Zed is and what Zed does is interesting or funny or poignant or all of the above. The ending is anticlimactic, but the more I think on it, the better I think this is. We can't get a perfect finish to a subject that will just always be in flux. We can only do what Zed and what Mogul Mowgli successfully does, which is to explore it. Try to understand the perspectives more and more and take that with you into this world. This and the more surreal sequences might be what makes the film less accessible to some, but for my money it means you can more richly convey the subject matter. It's not a film about finding some beautiful resolution that home is where the heart is or anything like that. Zed isn't a stockbroker that realises he was only truly happy one summer in the 1960s when he learned about life. He's already an artist who is unreservedly confronting and communicating himself through his art. But this isn't enough, and that's what makes it even more fascinating. Mogul Mowgli is a brilliant expression of the complicated and vital question of identity, particularly for British Asians. It doesn't give answers to the big questions because that's impossible. What it does do is explore one person's own complicated sense of self in a funny, intelligent and deeply personal way with a thread of rap weaved throughout it. So Mogul Mowgli should be released on October 30th. Uh, whether that's just in cinemas or also on VOD, I'm not 100%, but keep your eyes out for it because it's really worthwhile. Right, so the next film is Kajillionaire, uh, directed by Miranda July. Old Dolio Dine, played by Evan Rachel Wood, is a 20-something, living an unconventional life with her parents. Robert Dine, played by Richard Jenkins, and Teresa Dine, played by Deborah Winger. Since she was small, they've been off the grid hustling for whatever they can get, begging, borrowing, and conning their way to a few extra scraps, living day by day until the big con comes along. On One Touch Con, they meet Melanie, played by Gina Rodriguez, whose presence and path starts to open old Dolio's eyes to the thing that her life lacks, and maybe a deeper understanding of what the dynamic with her parents really is. Or, as a haiku, family hustle, family in deficit. What is family? And here's a clip. She learned to forge before she learned to write. Well, actually, that's how she did learn to write. My favorite movies are the Ocean Eleven movies. This is exactly the kind of thing that I've been wanting. So what do your parents do, hon? Hon, you've never called me that. But you could if it was a job, though, right? You're addicted to them. They're my parents. In what sense? We split everything three ways. We have since I was little. 
I don't want to do it that way this time. Don't. They fuck you up, your mum and dad, so starts one of Philip Larkin's most famous poems. But where's that line between a family with foibles and a family that's not really functioning? What we need from a family and what a family is, is ultimately what Cajillion Air is all about. The approach is certainly a unique one. Robert and Teresa aren't traditional parents, but that doesn't necessarily make them abusers. They're loyal to old Dolio, but it becomes clearer and clearer that what they're giving her right now isn't love, or not as we know it. They're people clearly carrying their own hang-ups, their own issues with the world. Sometimes they seem anti-capitalist or anti-consumerist, or perhaps they're just survivalists, preparing, quite rationally it might seem in recent times, for the end of the world. But as the film goes on, you see that they want stuff as well, just like anyone else, but they lack the sense of responsibility to properly maintain a life with stuff in it. Old Dolio is played by Evan Rachel Wood, who's magnificent in this, presenting a character that is almost feral in her existence, able to survive but not quite click with the world around her. She is the heart of the question. Are these people a family and what does that really mean? So to explore this, we see a lot of things that she's starting to miss out on. A scene in a house where they have to play at being a family as part of a con, you can see that old Dolio really starts to become illuminated to this concept. She tenses up at the touch of a masseuse, unable to be comfortable with the physical contact of another human. At a prenatal class she attends as part of a hustle, she's confused by the idea of a child bonding with her mother. Wood has to convey someone who can function and give the appearance of fitting into this world, but is missing something vital in all these situations. Something she's slowly coming to realise she needs more and more. But she has to do this all through the lens of a comedy, albeit a comedy that's as unconventional as the dines are, but a comedy nonetheless, and it's a real testament to her skill. Gina Rodriguez, who plays Melanie, is also great, compassionate and warm in her presence. Their relationship evolves as much as the one with her family does, and it's a sweet thing to behold. But Melanie doesn't come from something perfect either. A strained relationship with her mother is shown to test her. There's also a sequence in a dying man's house where he he explains that his grown-up kids aren't here because they're not bad kids, just busy. And a young pregnant girl that pays old Dolio to go to her court-ordered prenatal classes just so she can bunk off with her boyfriend, is an early hustle she engages in. Cajillier wants to make the point that it's not just the dines that bend or break the rules, that having to work out what we really need is key to the paths we have to take with our nearest and dearest. All families are a bit weird. There are social norms and an understanding of what a family should and shouldn't be, but all families break those to a certain extent. Maybe Cajillier isn't a bible for what a family should and shouldn't be, but it presents old Dolio as someone who is lacking something important, that her parents are clearly not able to give her what she really deserves. Even though they're unlikable, they're not monsters, they just don't really understand what a family is, just like old Dolio, and whether or not they can change will determine if they can go on being in each other's lives. I found myself really fascinated and really moved by Cajillion Family is a subject that's ripe for comedy. This takes a different angle to it that was nonetheless really, really rewarding and really, really funny, just maybe not in the normal kind of way that a family comedy usually is. It's an unusual comedy about love and families, studded with original performances and an unpredictable third act that completes a wonderfully weird and beautiful journey. I always thought it was insulting to treat you like a child. And I thought we agreed on that. We can only ever be how we are. 
The Junior is in cinemas right now, or you can pre-order it on Amazon to watch it at home, though no official release date on there yet. Thank you so much for listening to Cellcast. You can find and subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud at Cellcast. And come follow us on Twitter at Cell Magazine and like us on Facebook.com forward slash Cell Magazine.